Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. Welcome to it. It's Monday. I'm John Fiegelsang, and welcome to the end of July. I hope you had a good one. I hope you're keeping cool. I hope you're not Donald Trump, because if you're not, you're going to be having a better month than him. All night long, we'd love to hear from you. We're going to be bringing you a wrap-up of all the headlines of the day. I know there were no indictments. But the week is so young. We're going to have some of our best friends here joining us as well. Uh, the great Reverend Barry Lynn, former executive director for Americans United for the Separation of Church and State, will be joining us uh, to talk all about Oppenheimer, which uh, which is a very interesting film. Um, and um, and Barbie as well. I actually think Barbie's more political. But we'll talk about that, too. Uh, some of our favorite comedians will be here tonight. Rhonda Hansom rejoins us right here in studio, along with comedian Frank Vignola and comedian Karen Swores, who's never done the show before. So hopefully she won't be too terrified or triggered when we're done with her. And I hope you've seen some movies like Barbie or Oppenheimer uh, or Indiana Jones or Spider-Man because uh, they're never going to open any more movies again, it seems. Let's do a show. Chris Hauseltz, our executive producer. Thea Harper is producing this show right through the glass. She and I are here in the very empty Howard Stern Tower, 309 flights above Gotham. And it's empty. My God, it's empty. It's like a DeSantis rally in Florida. It's that empty. Thea, there's no one here. No one's here. It's just me and you. It's just us. The building. I mean, like, we could. Do you want me to go steal your office supplies? Because this is sure. the time to do it. You want? Sure. I can probably get you somebody's Grammy or Emmy, too. There's some of those here. I'd rather that. All right. Yeah. See what can I can work do. work on that? Thank you. Yeah, I'm working on that. There's some good swag. <laughs> when we bring three comedians in, it's it's going to double the population yeah. on this floor, because that's you, me, and the sleeping security guard. That's it. That's right crowded. Now. My God. <laughs> Jesus. Thank God no one knows he's sleeping, and they won't try to you know, completely crash us here. We are 63 days until the beginning of Donald Trump's civil fraud suit. Uh, we are 168 days from the next phase of the E. Jean Carroll defamation suit. We are 182 days 
from that pyramid scheme class action suit. We are 238 days from Donald Trump sitting his considerable ass in a chair in New York State criminal court for the hush money suit. We are 294 days from the beginning of the federal classified docs case where Donald Trump just got three new indictments last week. And we are 349 days from the beginning of the contested Republican National Convention of 2024, because do you think they're going to nominate a convicted felon? I think they might. Do you think the people who run this party are going to let it happen without a fight? It's going to be ugly, friends. You know, every Republican presidential candidate who is not under indictment uh, is, is, is losing pretty bad to the one Republican presidential candidate who is under multiple indictments. And yet... Donald Trump is scared. Not because of the polls. He's doing great. We'll talk about that all night. He's doing fine in the polls. He's, he's murdering them. He's still scared because, well, let's count the ways. His defamation lawsuit against CNN, that flopped on Friday. Did you hear about that? The judge he appointed <laughs> dismissed the case because Trump was saying the network had associated him with Adolf Hitler. Trump's case was literally because CNN said I was pushing the big lie. Uh, they're calling me a Nazi. Which is not true. Um, you're not a Nazi. You, 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 I, I know you admire each other's work. A Georgia judge then today rejected Donald Trump's attempt to completely decimate the Fulton County DA's coming indictment against him. Nine-page ruling, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney said that Donald Trump and his flunkies, they can't stop prosecutors from investigating his attempts to uh, meddle, interfere with, fuck with, overthrow the 2020 presidential election results in Georgia, especially because Donald Trump tried to do that and was recorded on tape. Judge McBurney said Trump has not been the victim he claims to be. He referenced Trump's attempts to capitalize politically off the legal value. He said, uh, for some, being the subject of criminal investigation can, a la Rumpelstiltskin, be turned into golden political capital, making it seem more providential than problematic. That's what we'll be getting to. Because he's raising money off of this. And he's raising money off of this to pay for all of his damn lawyers for this. Yeah. You know, your, your MAGA loved ones, you know, your, 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 your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, maybe it's your parents. God help you. I'm sorry if it is. You know, you're the guy you knew in high school. You're still friends with on Facebook, even though he can't spell your, you know, the people I'm talking about. They're getting fleeced again by this guy. You know, they could donate to the Trump Foundation, his fraud charity. They could donate to the Trump University, his flawed online school. They could donate to the Trump Organization, uh, which just paid over uh, two million in fines this year. But no, 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 it, it, it's worse than that. We'll get to why he's ripping them off all new, uh, in all new ways. But let's let's get back to the the charges here, because the new federal charges against Trump, who once said that cooperating with prosecutors to get leniency quote ought to be illegal are all about a new Mar-a-Lago employee who allegedly was asked to delete the surveillance footage the investigator subpoenaed. My God, they're dumb. They're just so dumb. This is the new defendant, Mar-a-Lago property manager, Carlos de Oliveira. Uh, the indictment alleges that de Oliveira pulled aside another Mar-a-Lago employee who's now identified in the media as the IT guy, Eustil Taveras, and asked for the conversation to stay private and in great detail... He told Tavares that the boss wanted the server housing surveillance footage to be deleted. And Mr. Tavares said he could not help with that. So it's a pretty good bet that he has flipped already. They wanted to remove the tape from the hallway surveillance camera that showed Donald Trump's lawyers, specifically Evan Corcoran, 
going into the evidence room to move the documents to hide them again. So it's a lot happening now. A lot of trials coming up. And at an eerie Pennsylvania rally this weekend, uh, Donald Trump lashed out against all the different indictments that are piled up against poor, innocent him. And they've broken the veil by indicting me with this ridiculous. These are ridiculous indictments. And all they're doing is hoping for massive election interference. That's all they want to do. They want to damage the leading candidate, by the way, leading by far, I have to say. Oh, yeah. So uh, the federal investigation into his efforts to overturn the election on January 6th on the Capitol, we don't know anything yet. We were hoping and thinking there might be indictments today. It'll be any day now, folks, uh, maybe this week. And the Georgia investigation into Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election, those charges could come any time in the month of August. Attorney D.A. Fannie Willis is expected to seek a grand jury indictment in the next few weeks. So what can Trump do? Well, um, polling from The New York Times and Siena College today found that only 5% of people who have responded to the poll who get their news from Fox News believe that Trump has committed serious federal crimes. 91% of people who get their news from Fox News believe Trump has not committed crimes. 83% of Fox News watching respondents believe that after the 2020 election, Trump was just exercising his right to contest the results. And most importantly, 85% of Republican-leaning people that got polled who mainly watch Fox say the GOP needs to stand behind Trump. 85%. So he's got to smear Biden. And Republicans have been trying to do that, well, you know how, going after his son's business dealings, going after his son's addiction, going after his son's out-of-wedlock child, anything his fuck-up son did while he was an addict, they're trying to smear Biden with. And they've been trying to get Biden impeached before... Uh, Devon Archer's closed door testimony today. Now, Mr. Archer, he's somebody who was convicted of fraud on some unrelated charges five years ago. And today was the day he was finally going to be the latest GOP whistleblower in the Hunter Biden exploiterama nonstop Benghazi Mardi Gras. Didn't quite work out that way, but the Republicans were really sure about it. They've been very Listen to uh, Congresswoman Nancy Mace who I do believe is smart enough to know better. Uh, she was very optimistic about how uh, Devon's of Archer's testimony uh, was going to be the smoking gun in nailing Hunter Biden and Joe Biden for good. Listen to this. This was yesterday on Fox. No, I don't think so. This was a person who was in business with Hunter Biden and Biden family members. He was the BFF of the president's son. He has a lot of information, I believe, um, that we'll be able to fact check and corroborate with other witnesses and other whistleblowers. And we just had two IRS whistleblowers admitting that their investigation has been blocked by federal agencies. And is he going to tell us that Joe Biden was in the room via conference call or in person and to what extent he was involved in this mess? And the American people have the right to know whether he was or was not. So today he testified and none of that happened. None of that happened. None of it. Their star witness made clear many times that Joe Biden never had any kind of inappropriate talks with any people in Hunter Biden's circle. He, he testified over and over again that Joe Biden never discussed any business dealings or interests with Hunter Biden or anybody else. Dan Goldman, congressman from New York, said, I just left the interview of Devon Archer. I was the only member who stayed the whole time. These are the facts. One, Archer testified Joe Biden never discussed any business with Hunter and Associates. Two, there was no bribe from Burisma to Joe or Hunter. So this investigation has found zero evidence connected to Joe Biden. 
And they know that. They know that because there's no real investigation. These are keys dangled before a toddler to keep the toddler engaged and looking at you. Also, Ukraine. Uh, right now, Donald Trump's calling on Republicans in Congress to refuse to authorize a single additional shipment of weapons to Ukraine until he says the FBI, DOJ and IRS hand over evidence in the House's investigation against the Biden family. Um <laughs> He's do you understand how funny this is? He's demanding Congress not ship weapons Ukraine needs to fight back against who. Hang on a second. Who's invading Ukraine? Who does he want them to be powerless? Uh, Vladimir Putin. That's it. I mean, this is getting more and more popular on the Republican side. We know that Mike Pence just got booed at this evangelical event in Iowa that Tucker Carlson was moderating because he said, uh, yeah, I support uh, helping our ally Ukraine against Russia's savage invasion. And they booed him for it. Pence is doing worse than Vivek Ramaswamy in the polls now. Vivek is campaigning on fully ending all support for Ukraine. And of course, that's what they like. Pew Research poll in June found 44% of Republicans or GOP-leaning voters think the U.S. is providing too much aid to our ally that's been savagely invaded by Russia. I swear to God, they love their authoritarians who invade. Whether it's Bush, whether it's Putin, they love them. So here's Donald Trump leaning on his claims of the Biden crime family as a pretext to, you know, we, we got we got to stop shipping these weapons over to Ukraine and, and make someone investigate Joe Biden. Right. Tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Give a listen. Joe Biden is compromised. He's dragging us into a global conflict on behalf of the very same country, Ukraine, that apparently paid his family all of these millions of dollars. In light of no. this information, Lie. the no. U.S. Congress should refuse to authorize a single additional payment of our depleted stockpiles. Did you see last week? Last week, he said, we have no ammunition. The United States, you know, I rebuilt the military. We had so much ammunition. We had to buy storage, massive storage bins for it. It's almost gone. First of all, that shouldn't have happened. But who would release that? Who would say that? That was classified information, wasn't it, huh? Oh, please nominate this stupid, fat, racist, inadequate, flaccid, limp, deeply unmanly, bulbous, ignorant, anti-Semitic, woman-hating, pussy-grabbing, millionaire-at-birth, golden toilet, can't name his own kid's birthdays, bigot. Please make him your nominee. Please. It's, again... Maybe old Joe will get to beat Ron DeSantis. But do you know what he just is doing? He's literally threatening to withhold promised aid to Ukraine unless he gets a showy bullshit investigation of Joe Biden that would help him win the next election. I tweeted that exact same sentence in 2019. He's demanding Republicans do what he got impeached for. Withhold promised aid to Ukraine unless he gets a showy bullshit investigation of Joe Biden that means nothing, but will help smear him before the election. That's exactly what he demanded from President Zelensky. Zelensky was prepared to make an announcement on CNN, on CNN, that they were investigating Burisma to get the weapons he was promised. That was the big scandal. Imagine the Ukrainian president making an announcement that we're investigating a presidential candidate of another country on American TV. Why would the president of Ukraine make an announcement on American TV about investigating American politician to get the weapons he needed to defend his country from Russia? <sighs> and then as soon as the whistleblower 
leaked about the tape of Donald Trump trying to do this on a very crowded phone call. That very morning, President Zelensky canceled his meeting with CNN. So <laughs> he's desperate. He's trying anything he can do. How can we smear the Biden family? How can we get bogus investigations made? How can we help Vladimir Putin and hurt Biden at the same time? He's very scared. And we now know that he's ripping off your conservative loved ones at a deeper level than ever before because he created this legal defense fund, the Patriot Legal Defense Fund, Inc., to help pay the bills of his associates who face charges or questioning by prosecutors. And um, in a statement to Axios, Trump's campaign blames the weaponized Department of Justice and says the fund is there to protect these innocent people from financial ruin. The Patriot Legal Defense Fund. But see, it turns out he's facing multiple criminal investigations at the state and federal levels. He's already been indicted in Florida. He's been indicted in Manhattan. More indictments are coming. And as he faces more and more indictments and more prosecutions, the Save America PAC is actually spending tens of millions on legal fees for the former president and his witnesses. Now, Save America PAC is what pisses Republicans off because this is Donald Trump's big fundraising pack. When he does one of his mailings, when he does a rally, all of it is put your money here, put your money here. It's not money for the RNC. It's not money to help the Republican Party. It's not money for any issues or causes conservatives care about. It's not going to help in your down ballot races. No, it's all for Trump's lawyers. Charlie Pierce at Esquire wrote, if you sent Save America Pack money recently, you're not paying for yard signs in Iowa or for bumper stickers in New Hampshire. And that's the truth. Save America Pack is one giant criminal racket that is funded by the donations of Trump's gullibles through his pack. It's not a campaign. The entire presidential campaign Trump is doing right now is a fundraising scheme to pay his legal bills. The fact that he is number one in the Republican polling, well, <laughs> that's just a fringe benefit, and it's going to help him more. And he's going to need more lawyers, because he's getting more indictments. We just found out today that the Save America PAC spent more than $40 million on legal costs in the first half of this year to defend Trump and his associates. $40 million on legal costs. They didn't spend $40 million on campaign expenses. And that is what the deeply stupid American white people who give money to Trump don't realize. They're not paying for the campaign. They're not paying to make America great. They're paying for lawyers to help Trump stay out of jail because of his crimes. $40.2 million spent this year already on legal costs to defend himself and his associates. That's more than Save America raised in the whole second quarter of this year, and it, it brings it to group's total spending on Donald Trump's post-presidential legal problems to about $56 million. He's not even paying his own lawyers. That's more than any other expense the PAC has incurred during Trump's entire presidential campaign. Save America just gave $108,000. In the first six months of this year, they gave $108,000 for Melania Trump's stylist, Hervé Pierre Braillard. And told the FEC it's for strategy consulting. You idiots. Please remember your criminally dumb co-worker who keeps saying, Donald Trump going to come back. Donald Trump going to make America again. <laughs> Just tell him, give more money. Donate more. Donate more. $108,000 to Melania Trump's stylist. Maggie Haberman and Shane Goldmacher said in the New York Times the creation of the Legal Defense Fund could ease some of the financial pressure on Safe America, which was severe enough that it requested a refund of the $60 million it had transferred to a pro-Trump super PAC late last year. See, <laughs> this is why it's a great swindle. Working class people 
are paying millions in legal defense funds for this great businessman, this genius businessman who's filed for bankruptcy six times. The PAC is raising most of its money through small dollar donations. Not big money. Big money donors don't donate through Save America. They do it in person when they buy favors, like Donald Trump once admitted he did when he bought politicians. The PAC's raising their money through small dollar donations. <sighs> Ron DeSantis, communication director, put out a statement. Trump has spent over $60 million this year on two things, falsely attacking Ron DeSantis and paying his own legal fees. The only thing more pathetic than that is trying to piggyback off of it. But the costs are adding up because Save America, again, it's all the small dollar donations and they're taking on legal bills of everyone in the president's orbit. The Walt Nautas, all these suckers who he says, let me cover your lawyers. Everyone who gets pulled into the investigation, their legal costs are being paid by your racist friends. So liberals need to calm down about this because the narrative is set. Donald Trump really is running, quite literally, to stay out of jail. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Marsha in San Diego, good evening and welcome. You're on Sirius XM. Well, hi there, John. Um, I was listening to your rant. Hi. And it reminded me that, you know, I play the cello. And um, we've always done the Messiah, cutting out a couple of the tunes. Okay. And one year we played the whole thing. And as a Jew, I was a little shocked, <laughs> but I shouldn't have been. Anyway, um, the Jews shouted for crucify him. And sometimes that's what it sounds like with Trump. And I think that that's what his people see him as, is yep. Jesus with the, you know, the Sanhedrin shouting, crucify him. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Can I, can I just say one thing about that? That it, it is, it always creeped me out going to church on, on Good Friday and hearing all that, the Jews crying, crucify him. Please remember, it's the Romans who actually crucified him, and it's the Romans who wrote that the Jews demanded him to be crucified. The point of that story is that everybody killed him, not just his own religion, but that the Romans did it, the cops did it, his friends sell him out, his friends deny they know him. The whole point of that story is not to single out one religion, but deeply weak and mediocre people who aren't really Christians will try to make that their anti-Semitic fantasia. And I'm so sorry you were made to feel that way. I think it's disgusting. Yeah, no, it's... Um well, St. Matthew Passion is one of the most beautiful um, cantatas that has ever been written. I and agree. the same thing, you know, yeah. I'm used to being uncomfortable. <laughs> so it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. But, um, but yeah, anti-Semitism in this country is, is uh, showing its ugly face. And it's, uh, always. you know, I, I look Jewish. I'm a little bit terrified. Um, so, but I, I just... I just worry about Trump being seen as, as their Jesus and whether he's in jail or not isn't going to make any difference. And facts don't matter, you know? Yeah, people, facts don't matter. See what they, yeah. And, and <laughs> the Constitution, the Bible, reason, reality itself, none of it matters. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But I, I, I just want you to know uh, we need a Democratic Party that's going to stand up and take the Bible away from these hypocrites. We need a Democratic mm. Party or a liberal movement that'll stand up and say, even if you're atheist, this party is against what this book teaches. We don't have that yet. The Democrats are terrified to touch religion. So uh, you're going to be stuck with this show because we are going to call these Republicans out for their corrosively false piety uh, and their 
just outrageously anti-Jesus Christianity that they that they try to push. Um, we will call them out every day here because uh, I'm tired of it, and I'm really tired of the Democrats being too scared to do it. Okay, well, I'm glad for that. My, my daughter, when she was in 10th grade, yeah. the teacher gave them an assignment to compare the Bush administration with the Sermon on the Mount. And, of course, I never read the Sermon on the Mount. They didn't know it from anything. But I played a church gig, and I asked, um, Peggy to show me, you know, Sermon on the Mount. She turned to Matthew 25. It was like the first page she turned to. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's like the opposite. <laughs> hmm. but I, was, I was glad to read, you know, healing the sick and clothing the naked. That was yeah. good to hear that it's in the good book. Listen, Matthew 25 and the Sermon on the Mount are the two most clear clearly articulated versions of Jesus's views for society and people. And that's why the Republican Party never quotes either one. Oh, well, we can do that, right? Yeah, all day long. Please. I mean, go go through Matthew 25. Welcome the welcome the stranger? No. Uh, uh, take care of the sick. Individuals and nations must take care of the sick. Take care of the poor? No. Be kind to those in prison? No. It's everything that the Republican Party preaches against. And all you got to yeah, do right. is read the Bible. You don't even have to believe it. You just have to read it and realize, oh, my God, these people are full of crap and use religion to advance their anti-Jesus agenda. Boom. Yeah, well, I wish and they just they just listened to what the what the Catholic priest said. I I played a gig in a church, and the Catholic priest said that the Jews hate water. It's like what? What? <laughs> it's crazy. Oh my God! I swear to God, these anti-Semites they never go away. Marsha, you're a hero. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're in California. I think you'll be okay. But keep in touch with us, please. Um, I'm really Absolutely. just a big fan of calling all these people out, especially because Twitter which just threw Kanye West off for being anti-Semitic. Well, Twitter has a new name, so they just invited him back. (laughs) They don't take it seriously. We'll talk about that with our panel in the next hour. Thank you so much, Marsha. Quick break. We'll be right back with your calls and the Reverend Barry Lynn. We're at 866-997-4748. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
Spreaker or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. I'm John saying This is Progress After Dark. Reverend Barry Lynn is an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. He served as the executive director for Americans United for the Separation of Church and State until his retirement a couple years back. You probably watched him on TV like I did for over years on PBS NewsHour, The Today Show, Nightline, 60 Minutes, and yes, The O'Reilly Factor, too. Uh, Barry's been published in the L.A. Times, USA Today, Wall Street Journal, The Nation. His new memoir, Paid to Piss People Off, comes in three wonderful volumes, Peace, porn and prayer he is my kind of clergy and the kind of clergy the democratic party needs to listen to welcome back to the show reverend barry lynn very nice to be back john thank you barry happy end of july how you doing how you handling all this i'm good i hit 75 a couple weeks ago 75 years old oh my goodness congratulations wow and thank you five years you'll be old enough to run for president Exactly. And I'm thinking about it. No, I'm not actually thinking about it because I'd rather go to the movies. Um, And I've seen some doozies. What have you seen, Reverend? Well, Oppenheimer. First of all, I think it's a fabulous film. Okay. But this idea that you have to see it on the world's largest screen may be a little overemphasized. I would have had to drive an hour to see it in the 70 millimeter IMAX, true IMAX version, 20 minutes to drive to a place showing it in what I call the false IMAX, not quite as big. <laughs> I but mean, but the same I, in New York, by the way. In, the, in uh, New York, all the IMAX screenings are, compl- IMAX 70 millimeter, sorry, not just yeah, IMAX, IMAX right? 70 millimeter, all completely sold out all the time, which I guess is very good for cinema that this is happening. God knows it didn't happen for Indiana Jones or Ant-Man. Um, but 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 tell me tell me more, Reverend, because I want to talk about the, I, I, the morality yeah, of this I, film with you. I found the moral conundrum in that film, and I don't want to do any spoilers, and I don't, I don't think I will. But the, <laughs> the moral conundrum here is whether Oppenheimer, when he is confronted by a group of politicians who are seeking to remove his security clearance, they keep asking him the question, well, you know, Dr. Oppenheimer, you weren't opposed to the use of the atomic bomb in Hiroshima. But why all of a sudden are you now opposed to the development of the hydrogen bomb, a bomb much, much greater in magnitude and and death dealing than the atomic bomb? I think it's the wrong question. I think the right question to ask It was kind of a kangaroo court. But the right question is, once you realize you have been a party to something that is really bad, you have a moral coming to grips with what you've done, what do you do with the rest of your life? And Oppenheimer, of course, became a huge fan of the idea of international agreements to control nuclear weapons. And I think I've been blessed in my life by knowing two people who had a very similar kind of trajectory of their thoughts about war and peace. Um, one of them was Senator Mark Hatfield of Oregon. He died in 1969. I worked with him a lot. And uh, he was he had been at Iwo Jima. He was about to be in the first wave of American troops that would have made a, gl- a landing, a landing right. in Japan. But of course, Hiroshima happened. There was no land invasion of Japan. Of course. He wrote a book called Between a Rock and a Hard Place. And throughout his 30 years, 
in the Senate. He never voted for a single defense appropriation bill. His his very first speech on the floor of the Senate, the kind of virgin speech, was about peace advocacy. He fought the MX missile. He fought the return of draft registration because he thought all of these things would make war easier. And I think he's an extraordinary figure, almost lost to history somehow. But he was one of And the other was Ron Kovic, who, of yeah. course, was the, the uh, person who wrote Born on the Fourth of July and Tom Cruise made a movie about it. Ron didn't just go to Vietnam once. He went twice. And in 1968, on his second tour, he was in a reconnaissance uh, mission in North Vietnam, and a sniper shot him twice. He lost the ability to use either of his legs and has been in a wheelchair ever since. But when he came back from Vietnam and thought about what had happened and what he had seen there, he became an enormously important peace activist during the Vietnam War. Yes. Traveled all over. I first met him in 1974 when he had a sit-in at Senator Alan Cranston, then the senator from California's office, because the Veterans Administration, in the judgment of he and his fellow veterans, yes. were not doing enough. And then, of course, I got to know him much better in, in 1968 at the Democratic Convention when he actually endorsed a draft resistor for vice president of the United States. I've kept in touch with him over the years, and he, he's been to Ireland. He's been to Iraq. He opposed the Iraq war, but he, he travels all over the world meeting with peace activists, trying to tell them, do the right thing. You're on the right track. Yeah. And these are extraordinary people. In the Oppenheimer movies, another person I met once. Tell me. And that was Edward Teller. Ah. Edward Teller, the so-called father of the hydrogen bomb. During the Reagan administration, he comes to Washington. He convinces Ronald Reagan to do several things, including what became known as the Star Wars defense system. Yes, this is a combination, right? Uh, strategic defense initiative. And he... Um, he promoted this. This was the idea that you could have lasers on satellites and mm -hmm. shoot all the ICBMs that Russia might uh, send over. And my, I had a very conservative, good conservative, I mean, honest conservative uh, co-host of a show I did every afternoon for a couple of years. And uh, he wanted Teller to come on and Teller did agree to come on. He was kind of a crotchety fellow. Right. We're sitting in a small studio i would say about one third of the size of the studio you use at xm four walls only one wall had a small window you could see that there was somebody typing something in there before we go on the air teller says uh, is this radio or television <laughs> and i thought i thought you know should i really take the advice to defend America from a guy who can't tell the difference between radio and television. So funny. And I decided, no, I couldn't. But I, I, I loved the movie. I, I saw it uh, in, the, again, a kind of phony IMAX that they have in, in a lot of places. And uh, I just don't think that 
the story is enhanced no, by the you don't, bigger it, you yeah. see. I, I mean, no. I get it, but it's not. Yeah, it, it's 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 a beautiful looking film. It's yep. not Lawrence of Arabia. It's not Blade Runner. You don't need to see it seventy millimeter IMAX. I, I, you know, I let me ask you about it, Barry, because I I did struggle with a couple of things. I I don't know if the film has decided if Oppenheimer is a tragic figure or a villain or an antihero. It seems like they 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 certainly show his flaws. From not even wanting to raise his own child and not being a good husband, etc. They show, of course, that he's complicit in creating this horrific machine that can commit genocide. And then for much of the film, he's feeling really bad about it. And the action kind of shifts to Robert Downey Jr. as uh, Louis Strauss as he's trying to seek a cabinet engagement. And it begins to be a lot about the battle of uh, of Strauss, try, Strauss trying to destroy Oppenheimer. And I, I think the climax of the movie is, is I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it has to do with this rivalry. I kind of thought a movie about the man who built the bomb was going to focus more on the civilian toll. And yet more time is spent on this political operative who hated Oppenheimer than is spent on the genocide of 200,000 souls. I was kind of surprised that it wound up really being about Oppenheimer's drama more than about what he's famous for. I do think that people don't realize how similar the activities of politicians are today as they were during what you saw in the frame of the Oppenheimer thing. Mm-hmm. I think there are so many times when I would, I could tell stories about people who are just as hypocritical as the politicians are depicted in that. I mean, I remember talking to Peter King, who was a Republican, uh, pretty conservative guy Indeed from he was. Staten Island. Yeah. And uh, he and I would go on TV shows together to oppose the funding of the Nation of Islam because they were trying to get federal grants to uh, provide security at uh, housing projects in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, to me, it was just a no brainer. You don't give money to a church that'll never hire a woman to to be in any kind of position. So when uh, it came time for George Bush to start his faith based initiative, I was at a party. Peter King was there. I said, so, Peter, are you going to join me now in opposing the president's initiative? And he looked at me and he said, I don't think so, Barry, because, you know, we don't have to be consistent up here, but the truth is you ought to be, or at least you ought to have a damn good reason why A is good and B is bad. Yeah. And the, so you saw a lot of that in the same in the same way that these uh, characters, including Straws, conducted himself. How did you feel the film addressed the issues of the morality of this thing existing? Of this weapon existing, you know, there's a great scene where Gary Oldman plays President Truman. It's uh, where we're. It's a true story where he pretty much is disgusted with Oppenheimer's guilty feelings and says, "Look, you just built it. I'm the one. I have more blood on my hands than you. I'm the one who gave the order." Do you agree with that, or do you think that an entire culture can be complicit? I I think that president truman's depiction in there which i understand is is quite accurate yeah and that he was still talking about i don't want to ever see that crybaby in this office again it did happen while oppenheimer was still able to hear what was going on right but i think the involvement of everyone in making that decision or in making the product that could be used 
for that decision. Everyone is complicit. And the day we lose a sense that we honestly have a moral question to resolve is the day that we are in really big trouble as a country. So how do you compare it to Barbie, Barry? Yeah, that's a Barbie I haven't seen. <laughs> I'm looking for I, you know that that whole phenomenon of Barbie. <laughs> you go to I I met somebody last week who had been in New York and saw both on the same day. I so can't the, imagine uh, can't imagine that. But but um yeah. <laughs> I think Barbie's I mean, actually I think Barbie's actually a more political film. And I think Barbie's gonna offend more people than <laughs> and it really will well, it, offend the right Ben the Ben Shapiro's out there. It certainly offended Ben Shapiro. You know, I was on something last week where uh, three women involved with it and they'd all seen Barbie. And I said, you know, back in the day when I was confronting right wingers, I was confronting William F. Buckley, Pat Buchanan, not people like Ben Shapiro, who apparently couldn't get over his one viewing of Barbie. And now, I don't know, probably burning all his Barbie collections and exactly building Klaus Barbie dolls. <laughs> oh, oh, points, points for you, Reverend. Points. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's look. I think it's triggering all the right mediocre men, and in that sense, I think Barbie's doing the Lord's work. And I, I, I can't wait for you to see Barbie because I'm telling you, it's it's going to freak out a lot of people who need to be freaked out. So keep that in mind. But what I want to do ask you about this. We're hearing the number now that nearly half of Republican voters in the new Monmouth University survey think that Trump would be a stronger challenger than DeSantis. Um, only 22 percent thought DeSantis would be more electable. It, it really shows that um, it's not even going to be close. Now, a lot of media is already writing an obituary for the rest of the field, Barry. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think once the debates begin without Trump on stage... I think you're going to be seeing a lot of people trying to jockey for more notice. And I think Chris Christie is going to mop the floor with most of them and surprise a lot of people. I, I, I kind of feel like the debates are going to make Donald Trump feel really nervous. He's not part of the debates. I think you're probably right. I, I don't think, though, I, I get five emails a day from five different organizations explaining how they need desperately need my signature on a petition to either prevent Trump from running again yes. or using the constitution to get a vote so that he can't run again. Mm -hmm. I want him to run again. And and the truth is he will never get through all of these judicial hearings Correct. before the election. He won't. And I don't think that the bulk of people are going to be in a position to uh, care whether he is indicted three times, five times, 37 times. I think the most vulnerable he is, is on the charge that he directed people on his staff at Mar-a-Lago to erase surveillance tapes. Yeah. And if a, a good prosecutor by now would have gotten one of those people, at least one of those people, to start saying, what can I get? If I cooperate and tell you fully what's going on that I know personally, and I think that that's going to be I, I can't believe someone, even though they're being paid, I understand, yeah. from Trump's own legal defense fund, which is really from coming from his political action committee. Somebody turns on him, uh, some low level staffer. That's going to be. Yeah. 
potentially fatal. Uh, or but some not high, fatal or some, to his election. Or some I don't high think. level staffer, because, you know, Meadows may have already flipped, but will it not be? Fa- I mean, in 349 days, Barry, the Republican National Convention begins. And Donald Trump may be a convicted felon by that date. You know Republicans better than I do. You've gotten along with them better than I have yes. in your life. I get along with them very well, but you've been doing this for years. Sure. Do you see some of the old guard Republicans who actually remember, you know, when the party was a political party and not a fan club? Yeah. Do you see a contested convention? Do you think that there are some Republicans who will not tolerate a convicted felon getting the presidential nomination? Well, there will be some, but the question is now that Ron DeSantis seems to be imploding, he's just not connecting with people. Will they turn to Nikki Haley? How about the Tim Scott? There's a deep stain of racism in the Republican Party also. Yeah. I'm not sure they're going to be dropping, you know, tripping over each other to support Tim Scott. So you got Nikki Haley, you got Tim Scott. No, neither of them. Maybe they're, they're Chris both, Christie. They're all Chris just running Christie for VP. I mean, Chris Christie, he did a great job in that one-on-one debate with uh, or discussion with Anderson Cooper a couple of weeks ago. He sounded really like a traditional Republican Mm -hmm. who actually got along with Democrats when he was governor of New Jersey. But he has a lot of bad blood, too. Sure. I don't think they're going to come to the convention with a strong alternative to Donald Trump, even, Glenn, Glenn Youngkin? even if he's indicted. What if, Glenn, I what if Glenn Youngkin gets drafted at the convention to be the nominee? Yeah, well, then I, I, I would be really glad I moved out of Virginia. <laughs> but is, <laughs> no, but would, would honestly, that be the, I mean, would Glenn that be the, Youngkin... Would that, wouldn't that be a stronger ticket? Glenn Youngkin coming out of a contested convention might be easier to defeat Biden than Donald Trump bleeding out of both ears. It could be. Um, Glenn Youngkin has been roaming around the country. He's been up in New Hampshire a couple of times, and he claims he hasn't made up his mind. But he is, um, I think people in Virginia, the more they knew about him, the less they liked him. Because he, like DeSantis, has gone after the parental rights. We have to give parents the right to object to books. We don't want trans kids getting any tax dollars. I just don't think those arguments that helped him get elected governor of Virginia are going to play well on the national stage. And I think that's part of why DeSantis is just doing such a miserable job. Reverend Barry Lynn, I so miss having you in person in our studios. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you, Reverend, and keep up with all your doings? Well, if you go to my website, it's www.barrywlynn.com. You can order the book there. You can look at some of my uh, recent uh, podcast appearances. And... Um, Check you can it out. follow me on Facebook, too. Yeah, try But to, not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. You're done with the X, aren't you? I'm pretty much done with the X because I tried to buy an ad for the book, paid to piss people off. Yeah. Within an hour, I was told it contained inappropriate material, ah. and therefore they couldn't possibly I'm sell so me sorry. a $20 ad. You know what? Next time, uh, write something anti-Semitic, and then Twitter will find it completely worthy of their website. I exactly. And possibly have some kind of theory about <laughs> why COVID would best have been treated by doing nothing. Reverend Barry Lynn is the former <laughs> executive director for Americans United for Separation of Church and State, and he makes me proud to be an American. The new memoir is called Paid to Piss People Off in three volumes, Peace, Porn, and Prayer. Get one for the 
degenerate moral person in your life. Reverend Barry, it's so good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Good to see you. We'll see you later. We'll be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748. This is Progress. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John Fugel saying welcome. We have our comedians all loaded up. We're still going to be taking your calls through the hour at 866-997-GRIT. Really quick before we dive in, Marie in Atlanta. Welcome. You're on SiriusXM. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call. And I rarely get to say it. Hi, Chris. (laughs) And Chris can't say hi back to you because he's trapped in South Carolina amidst the Confederacy. And Thea and I are actually here. Chris is powerless to respond. Oh, (laughs) what shall we say about Chris that he can't respond to? (laughs) Anyway, I was calling about this whole thing about um, Trump uh, funding the defense for uh, Walt Nauta and now Oliveira. He's paying for it. Well, hang on, hang on. Trump Trump is paying the defense. Trump's followers are funding the defense, right? He spent fifty. He spent. He has spent fifty-seven million so far uh, this term. Uh, he's actually spending more than he's taking in. But it's all, all of the money that they're making from the Trump Super PAC for the campaign. All of that money is going to legal defense funds. Exactly. And bear in mind, it's it's one thing when one is paying for representation right. versus selecting representation. So. Lots of times um, I would have clients whose parents were paying for their representation. Right. They were paying me the fees. And that creates its own issues because, you know, the person who's writing the check often feels like they're entitled to know all of the details of the representation. Sure. And an attorney really can't do that. You know, parents would be asking me all sorts of questions. I'd say, I can't share that with you. Yeah. Because you're not my client, <laughs> and you have I have no attorney-client privilege with you. But to the extent that what's happening is not only is Trump providing the money for the defense, but also providing the attorney. And yes, I well, that's – I don't remember who the attorney is, but I, I remember that he's representing um, several people yes. who may or may not have conflicts. Yes. Um, That's where it gets interesting, doesn't it, Counselor? Because really, mm-hmm. how 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 unwise would you say it is, as a lawyer yourself, for one of Donald Trump's employees who's now on the hook criminally because of Donald Trump to let Donald Trump pay for the lawyers? He really has their best interest at heart, right? He just wants to keep his hardworking, loyal staff from having any legal jeopardy, right? That's the only reason he's trying to help. 
Well, <laughs> of course, <laughs> that's what he'd tell you if, if he were to answer that question. And, and it is perilous for an attorney to do that. Um, they would have to get a waiver from their client, you know, waiving the, the conflict and, and acknowledging that they've been advised that there is a potential conflict and then waiving that conflict. To the extent that there may be, there are likely to be, at least in normal circumstances, Walt Nato may say, I never told him that. Right. Oliveira may say, yes, he did, you know, right. or any number of things that are that are contrary to the interests of another client. Um, to me, it's, it's problematic in so many ways um, for the client to be in that position, but for an attorney who's trying to maintain their license to practice uh, to engage in that. But then the other part of it is, you know, to take take a much further back view, you know, you know the fifty thousand foot high view. Look at how much money Trump has spent on uh, on defense up till now. A lot of that is driven by motions, right? So every time something happens, he files a motion. Okay. Right? Yeah. And, oh, I'm going to object to this. I'm going to object. All of those motions cost money because they're going to cost attorney time. Okay. And if you are a co-defendant with Trump, and your representation is being funded by Trump, that attorney has to is likely to just funnel those expenses along with Trump. I understand. But if you have your own separate representation, the problem is that lawyer still has to look at that at the filings to make exactly. sure that there's no implication for their client. Their main clients, so because the same exactly. guy is paying the lawyer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're just, exactly. my God, Cassidy Hutchinson figured this out. Will Walt now to figure it out? I don't know. I don't know. But but Trump is basically running up the bill. Yeah. So by running up the bill, it creates, it, it's it's like you're the client watching the bill go up and up and up every yeah. time he files a motion. And you're realizing if I go get my own lawyer, I got to pay for that. And that's why and they need, that's, that's why they need white people to be so angry about Hunter Biden, whether they have any evidence for it or not. Because after a few yeah. months, these white people are going to be tired of shelling out this money for this guy. I, I, I maggot you a few months ago, please. It's, mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting. Again, in 11 months, it'll be the RNC, and they will find out if they're going to nominate a convicted felon to be their president. Mm -hmm. And yep. it's going to be a contested convention. This old man, Biden, can run for re-election in a bathrobe and slippers. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Marie, thank you so much for classing up the show. I really appreciate it. But now I've got to bring it back down to my level. Our comedians are in the room. Uh it is so nice to be back in studio and have some friends here. Thank you guys so much for coming up to the top of an empty, scary, foreboding tower high above Gotham. Um, let's get to it. Rhonda Handsome is back. It is Tall, Dark, and Handsome Monday, which means we bring back our queen, our goddess. She's open for Anita Baker and Diana Ross and Aretha. She's had great solo shows. You can catch her on Politipod, available on SoundCloud. It must be Tall, Dark, and Handsome Mondays. I'm black, y'all. Thank God. Thank God. How are you, Queen? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. I see you in person twice in a month. I, I can't believe it. I love it. I absolutely love it. And you got some more folks and here. we get some more folks. Frank Vignola is back, a terrific comic uh, who I have loved so many times on Comedy Central, NBC, Discovery Channel Europe. He did Just for Laughs in Montreal with Bill Maher. He toured for our troops in the Middle East with Armed Forces Entertainment and is one of the funniest players in the game. Hello, Frank. Hey, John. It's great to be back. I was trying trying to think what it was going to be like to walk back in here 
because I haven't been here since before since before the, the pandemic, and it really is as empty and as frightening as you described. I really try to it warn really all the comedians. Is. I feel like I'm in a haunted house. Yeah, no, there is a child in the hallway riding a big wheel. <laughs> there okay, is, there and is. two identically dressed twins are asking him to play with them. It it, it is you know like people say, oh, you're you're back on the air. Let's let's come up and do it. Let's let's do it. And I say, okay, but it's ten o'clock on a Monday yeah. in time. Like you can't even get stabbed on a Monday in Times Square. So right. people are coming up here and. It's it's scary, but it's nice to begin to see comics again. I I think it's I think it's awesome that you flipped the sides of the studio. So now the old side of the studio that we used to be on is all under construction and yes. everything. So that really does look like a paranormal investigation. That's all me. The me and the Jews. We plan all of this <laughs> just to make it hard for others. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, they they're doing a lot of construction because yeah. I don't know if you heard, but um, working in office is really big in New York right now. It's huge, huge. No one wants to work remotely. Nobody in New York. wants no, to work in nobody. the office. Come here in the daytime and see how packed it is. Theo tell you, right? It's it's and by packed I mean it's you know like twenty five percent of its former capacity. It's 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 still. We're working at home, right? It's a good right. thing. You're here in the daytime more than I am at this point. I yeah, uh, I've I prefer coming in during the day. Yeah, I know. I actually see people. You see people, you don't have to be around me. It's not yeah, that's dark the and main st- thing. Yeah, she yeah, has like this weird you. Gen X white guy who's telling bad jokes about hip hop in the nineties and, and Thea doesn't feel safe, so I'm sorry for that. <laughs> uh, I'm also very pleased to welcome Karen Schwartz to the show for the first time. Thank you very much. Philadelphia based comic. Um and uh she has been doing it for a year now. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah. I know you've played at Soul Joel's where I've never played. I keep hearing that it's the most fun venue in Pennsylvania. Over the wall comic Greer Fest and more. Welcome. It's good Thank to have you. you. Are you in based out of Philly still? Yes. So you're yes. doing it there. Yes. How often do you get to come to New York to to sample our horrible clubs? Oh, <laughs> I've been uh, recently out here a lot more frequently, and I, I love it. So it's nice. Been a couple times a month. What's the difference between the Philly scene and the uh, the New York scene to you? Oh boy, um, the Philly scene. Um, I mean, I, 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 I guess there's more I venues here, way more venues here. And um, I don't want to steal one of Frank's jokes, but um, he may have stolen it from someone else. I probably did. Yeah, I okay. mean, I might have stolen it from Ron. He you know, stole it from me. Well, stole probably it from stole it from okay, so as long as we're all being fair and stealing Go ahead. equally. Go ahead, do it. Do it. OK. Like, like, you know, the, the joke, like, you know, you'll never work in this town again when you're in my town. The fear is you'll only work in my town again. <laughs> that's that's the that's what you try to avoid. No, that's no, the... no. Are are you two? Can I say this? Are are you two a a couple in the comedy thing? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. I, I always was very cautious about that. That's yeah. lovely. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank oh, you shucks. What? <laughs> <laughs> you were hoping for a shot with the one or both of them before the night was over? Hey, right. it's 2023. <laughs> and everybody's non-binary. So uh, listen, just, I, I respect it. I tried dating a comic roll. once and, you know, our first night together, she gave me the light. So I, I anyone <laughs> can make it work. I appreciate it. Um, and you kept going until you found a joke to get yeah, off Yeah, I'm sorry. Right? I kept yeah. going. I, I'm like, I can't leave you. I, I can do better. I can do better. I really can. <laughs> Give me five minutes and I'll be so funny. Premature um, joculation. <laughs> oh, oh! I'm the, I'm the, you're not even a dad. I'm the dad, and you're telling the dad jokes. Can we talk about Elon Musk, folks? Oh, let's, please. Let's make yes. it beautiful. Oh. Let's let's find something. You know, in this jaded age, something that unites so many Americans shouldn't be taken for granted. Since this guy took over uh, Twitter, 
you may have noticed an exponential rise in uh, disinformation, anti-Semitism, racism, far-right hate, lots and lots of accounts that just began in the last year that tend to post around 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and have a real hard time spelling the word your correctly. A lot of (laughs) far-right hate. Mm. Now that he's changed Twitter's name to X, I guess we can expect uh, a huge porn migration. That's one thing. More websites with the word X in the title is just what we needed. But, um... You know, here's the thing. A few months ago, Kanye West said what he said. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Hitler had a bad rap and Mm -hmm. Kanye got banned from the platform. But now that it's no longer Twitter, just to really let you know how safe Jew haters are in this platform, in case you didn't know already, folks, um, Yee, the rapper formerly known as Kanye, is back on Twitter Thanks to the rebrand, he's no longer banned because it's no. a brand new website. So it doesn't matter what he said. I think all you those mean yay. Ago. Yay. Sorry. What did I say? <laughs> ye? Sorry. I, you know what? I'll say ye. I'll say that. Whatever. Yay, ye. Yeah, yay, yo, you. Because I think Yeezy. So I still call him Ye. But. So my favorite thing about this already is that they allowed him back on after a reassurance that it wouldn't happen again. Oh, is that it? But not even plural, not even reassurance says. You only need a singular reassurance. Right, only well, once. Well, he and let Trump back on, yeah. you know. But Trump won't come on. Well, uh, <laughs> but Trump won't do it because Trump has his own website that's losing so much money at Filth Social that Trump is terrified to bail on that because he's responsible for it. So he's not coming onto Twitter. He's trying to make people still go over oh, there. I think it's an experiment. Uh, I think we are like... Uh, lab rats and uh we are so addicted to the social media mm-hmm. musk is going to keep doing anything and everything he can to just see how far he can go to make us crazy and uh, so far with me it's working <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and does everybody forget that an election ago these guys were actually kind of a third ticket who was Kanye, Kanye, yeah. and oh, Elon yeah, were a kind of a third ticket. wasn't Wasn't Elon? Elon his, wasn't on. No, Elon. I was, thought Elon was his vice presidential. No, Elon was born in South Africa. He can't run. For oh, president. who was yeah. the vice presidential then? Under Kanye? Yeah, with Kanye. I think it was. I, I think it may have been uh, <laughs> Scott Bayo, maybe or uh, or I could have sworn it, was, it was Elon. No, no he Elon, was running no. around with Elon Napolopoulos. The, the Milo Yiannopoulos. <laughs> Milo? Was it Milo? He was running around with Milo, and I think it was. Wasn't it also that uh, the, the younger uh, racist guy. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of them. Yeah, but no, Fuentes? a few months ago, Nick yes, Fuentes. Nick Fuentes. They were like the uh, three musketeers, well, they, uh, you know, going from studio to studio. A few months ago, uh, Kanye tweeted, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going death con three on Jewish people. Mm. You can't, I can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew. Also, you guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who ever opposes your agenda. Got banned for that. It's okay now. Come on back. So, yeah, this is Twitter. This is was Twitter. It's and now life. it's been rebranded to this X platform. I don't know if you have the app on your phone. Everyone suddenly had this X. It looks like a really classy Bob Guccione cover from the <laughs> 90s, from a special limited edition uh, Bob Guccione uh, uh, magazine. I, I just, I've never seen someone wreck a business like this. I really believe the site's okay, like a mob well, restaurant a that's being burned down for the insurance money. Trump Trump is very good at wrecking businesses. You know, he... No, not buying a business that's a beloved brand that's used by heads of state all over the world and rendering it unrecognizable in a year. Yeah, well, I mean, come on. I, I, don't, I don't even... If you had told me the Saudis gave him $40 billion because they wanted to just torpedo our global public square, I'd say, yeah, I, I believe it. It's... It, it's bad for democracy what he's done but here's the similarity between him and trump because it's like he ruined this 
but it's not going to hurt him financially and it's not going to hurt him within his landscape. And it's just like Trump's going through what he's going through right now, but it's not going to hurt him in his landscape either. They're both kind of Teflon for some reason. Maybe. I don't know. We've disagreed about this before. Elon's but... landscape is Tesla stock. We agree on that. Yes, right? like, absolutely. I mean, Twitter's going to be what it is. And right. He's never getting that money back. Right. That's that money's true. not coming back. No. He's not going to make $44 billion from charging racists $8 a month. That that's absolutely as lucrative true. as that sounds. It's going <laughs> to take it's, a while. But that's the other thing that it said in the article that you provided for us. That well, he can go back on and he can talk again, but it can't be monetized. It, and and it, that's like slapping one of these fines on like a fossil fuel company. You know, he doesn't really need the money. Yeah. You know what I mean? So well, he, f- he might need the money. Actually. You think he might? Uh, he lost a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, he lost a billion dollars. But didn't I mean, he say he's going to take the blue checks away? He did. Yeah, I, I mean, he's he does something every single day to make it crazy. He drove away the people that made that site a popular place in but, the first place. But I'm talking about Kanye, like, not being able to, what did they say here? I want to see it. No, Not monetized and no ads. And I really don't see that on a, on a billionaire being much, or a millionaire, mm-hmm. being much of a anything other than a slap on the wrist. For Kanye, yeah, yeah, but nothing but a slap on the well, wrist. Well, now they're selling the sneakers now, right? The the Yeezy sneakers, mm-hmm. they're they're actually going to sell them off now. They're coming back. Left. I thought they no, lost that. No, they all the sneakers that they didn't sell before they banned them. They finally decided, hey, let's sell these. So, I mean, look, maybe maybe Kanye will actually do this crazy thing of making good music again. And you know why that is that they're selling those sneakers, John? Is that because the good people on both sides need something to march in? There we go. That's He's why. coming back like Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Karen, are you a big social media user? Uh, yes, I am. Do you have a preference? Um, I mean, I'm I'm middle aged, so I'm a Facebooker. You <laughs> Is know, that how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. My kids, you know, say that I take all of my pictures at the Facebook mom angle, where I hold the phone up like three feet over my Very head. Very nice. Yes. Uh, my kids are on Instagram. I haven't really used much of, of Twitter, although I did feel like I was missing out when, when Trump was just blowing it up with all that that hilarity. I mean, it was just so much. It was so much. But if, like, you, if you'd like to know what Trump does with the hilarity, you, you don't need to be on Twitter. You can just be in America and yeah. the liberal media will bring it to you. Absolutely. And yeah. it's and it's it's amazing. So I'm an elementary school teacher by day in amazing. addition to being a comic. Amazing. Uh, thank you. And uh, I do love it. And one of our, you know, the bulletin boards you see all over the school, you know, they say spread confetti like kindness. And if if Trump were to come back to Twitter, he'd be spreading Kofifi. Oh yes, spread very Kofifi. nice, very Word nice. Spread Kofifi. So so you you buried the lead now. I'm Thank I'm you. fascinated Sorry. by your life of being because I've known teachers who were actors and teachers who were comics. Yeah. Um, what's been the biggest change for you since you began doing stand up? You're still teaching yes. in in elementary school, yes. so I know those are early mornings. What's the, what's it been like? Um, and and has anyone in your school uh, uh, seen you or any fellow faculty seen you? Yes and yes. Okay. Uh, some of the the PTA moms when they come in to help me with art shows, they kind of wink and nudge, say, "Hey, we found out. We heard. You know, we want to come watch." And nice. So it's pretty cool. Um, it's pretty cool. Well, I, I'm interested in what has has anything changed for you as, as a teacher with um, the, the social pressures uh, of not being able to talk about certain things and being encouraged to to discuss. She's not teaching things. in Florida, Rhonda. Uh, in Pennsylvania. No, but Rhonda's <laughs> not wrong. Rhonda's actually really not wrong. There's a lot of topics we just we just do not touch and. Uh, you know, you can tell exactly what the political climate of every child's home is based on what they try to bring I'll up bet in class. You can. Oh, absolutely, 
Absolutely. How many times have you been called woke by a kid? Oh my goodness. And and I'll tell you what, and uh, the pandemic really divided my classes up visually. You could see the kids who would say, hey, I don't really have to wear a mask. That's made up. That's stupid. My parents say we don't have to. Mm -hmm. So I'd have those kids and then I would have the kids who were double masking, you know, like so you could totally see the divide. Like stupid immunity disorder. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can see the divide right on their little faces. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I believe it's so sad. It's so tragic. You, you yeah. have my my envy and all kudos to oh, thank you. To I, it's a great thing. I love it. Teach. I I I tried to do it, but I realized I didn't like children. So I there you go. I understand that. Yeah, yeah. I realized that after I had one. By the way, <laughs> I know I, yeah. The <laughs> Whew, I just had my nephew visiting oh, for a week last week. How old is he? He's thirteen. Can I tell you something? Oh my god. Some gosh. people, some people actually have two of these fucking things. You have two of them, <laughs> I right? Have two. Holy crap! Oh, yeah. How do you do that with the two? I had two for a week, and I'm done. Like I don't know how it. Wow. Wow, crazy. I, I do want to talk about Donald Trump's campaign, if, if we can, um, if that's okay. He, uh, he's, he's doing pretty well compared to the other challengers. Here's a clip of him over the weekend. Donald Trump clearly is enjoying the large polling gap between himself and his closest rival way, way back, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The Sanctus is gone. The Sanctus is gone. He's uh, just about over. <laughs> High energy. I think if he ever made a comeback, it would be the greatest comeback in political history. He's gone. I endorsed him. He was gone before I endorsed him. I endorsed him. You know that, right? I endorsed him. I said, all right. He came Listen in. Listen to all the policies please, he has to help your family. Said, you couldn't get, you're so far behind, you couldn't win if George Washington and Abraham Lincoln came back from the dead. You couldn't win. No, no. Sir, if you endorse me, I'll win. I'll win. So, you know, he worked on the impeachment hoax number what? one and impeachment hoax. I missed two. the two tears in his eyes line. Isn't yeah. that supposed to be after but he, he asked for his one of many, many with guys tears in his eyes? Worked much harder. Kelly, Muser, they worked much, much harder. Much harder. You guys worked much harder. But he did a little bit that I didn't know the man he was running against. His name's Adam Putnam, good man. Well, I heard he was a rhino, so I feel a little bit better. What's he even talking about? <laughs> it's just... But it's just... I didn't know him, so I said, let's give it a shot, Ron. Do you know what it sounds And he's like? down so much, like 30, sounds 40 like points. like the pattern that a lead singer to a band does between numbers. When he's really high. That's, when yeah, he's really yeah. high on That's stage. That's all it sounds like. Because it, it sounds to be like yeah. Grandpa's ordering in the Arby's, yeah. and he's one flurry away from taking his dick Absolutely. out in front of the people. That's what Absolutely. it sounds like. Republican yeah. rambling can yeah. get really wild. I mean, know? like, but that's what he's selling. You're not going to hear these candidates talking about my bold plan to help clean up the air and water, my bold plan to help the student loan debt, my bold plan to help you and your family with medical costs. It's going to be bragging and smearing and Trump's crushing them. He's now in the latest New York Times Siena College poll, leading DeSantis by 37 points. Like Mm -hmm. Trump's at 54%, DeSantis is at 17%. Everybody else in the field is at 3% or less. Maybe DeSantis needs more lawsuits. I mean, like Trump has just spent like $40 million really just from a, his pack. It's and, a really good and point. They're, and they're starting a whole new pack to get more money for the lawsuits. If just DeSantis lawsuits. can like pay off a porn star and steal some government documents yes. and stimulate a terrorist attack on our capital, then maybe he can start raising some fun, funds too. Yeah. I mean, is Trump good for comedy still? 
I, I view Trump like airport jokes or like 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 I if never you have something that. new to do with the genre, then great. You know, if you can find a new way to talk about dogs and cats or leaving the toilet seat down, what can you bring <laughs> to that genre of joke telling? I, I think Trump can still be funny, right? I didn't mean to interrupt you. I no, apologize. No. I, I never thought Trump was good for comedy. Uh, it, it's too over the top. It, it's too over, to, over the top to even make fun of. But I mean, I actually think that Trump isn't going to get the nomination. I actually think it's this, very possible. No, I think it's going to be Christie. I think Christie is in the background, playing the long game, attacking Trump, waiting for Trump to fall on himself. And then he's going to be the one that's going to say, I told you about this guy all along. Well, that may be possible, but I think Trump has actually been really great for ketchup. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hang on. Karen, when he said he thinks the Trump's, this going to be Christie, you made a face and I noticed it. Oh, I was just cracking up because I was just remembering how, you know, Christie shut down the, the bridges and just mm-hmm. all, that, all that stuff. So, I mean, you know, I don't, but I don't know if he's made himself hateable enough to take it away. But I, I know, think you're right it. about that. But I, I, you know, he's done the show before. And when he was on yeah. the show, he said to me, like, I was going to be what Trump was. I was going to go there and tear everything apart. And then uh, they took that shtick away from me. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that I, I actually agree with you, Frank. The fact that Trump's not going to be in the debates means it's going to be Chris Christie's party and he is going to pick up Ron DeSantis like a rag doll and beat the doll the way he beat up that little voodoo doll of Marco Rubio that wound up being the actual Marco Rubio. I think Christie's going to just it's not going to help Christie at all. He's not going to be able to get the nomination, but he's going to do a lot of Trump's work for him. Well, all that uh, DeSantis will have to do is put up a PowerPoint picture of Christie holding an umbrella over Trump. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me go for a quick second. Let's go to the calls. We haven't had our, our anyone on the air in a bit. Uh, Debbie in Arizona, thank you so much for waiting on hold. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Uh, nice talking to you, Don. Hello. I um, y- You remember uh, hearing about Nick... Parentes yes. in Arizona. Yes. Well, yeah, he backed out, but uh, they had it in Prescott, Arizona, the meeting, you know, mm-hmm. the young Republicans, I guess. And um, the Charmin guy was there. The who? The who? The, the guy, uh, his name's Jacob Gansky. I don't know who that he is. Was, he was the, the Charmin that... Uh, on, Oh, the shaman. Oh, the, the shaman. shaman. Oh, I thought you. I was thinking. I thought you were talking about <laughs> that pliable two-ply shaman with with the with the yeah, fresh scent. No, you mean shaman, Jacob Shaman. Shaman, shaman. I'm shaman, shaman. sorry. I I confuse and, insurrectionists with toilet paper. I apologize. Yeah, I was. I pronounced it wrong. But Jacob anyway, Chansley. He, yes. Uh, uh, we we were protesting outside where they m- met. Yeah. And um, so he came over and talked to us. And. Um, Pretty much, he was letting us know that that we all have every you know we all have something in common and and um, and then the the, the funny part was um, uh, Tucker Carlson back in March. Yeah, he played video on Fox News about um, the police. Um, the he Jacob was seen at the Capitol with yes. two policemen. Yes. And um, so he brought that up and he said, well, you know, those policemen, I was helping them. Right. Okay. So did you call him out on this or did you let him spin his yeah, little spin? Yeah, we called spin? him out on he it. He pled guilty yeah. at a court of law and wept. 
I mean, he was part of a terrorism attack against our country. He wasn't violent to anybody, but he was still there. So. I'm very concerned about him. Yeah. He's a vegan, and uh, I just read where a, a vegan influencer just died from starvation. It's not funny. It's not funny, but she did. <laughs> De- Debbie, thank you so very much for the call. Let me get one more caller in before our break. Sean and Callie, welcome. Hey, brother. Well, good luck getting that vegan meal in prison. But <laughs> Yes, you know, I know. I- well, you know, I'm it's saying hard. that uh, try get try getting foam on your latte in prison. I tried that once. I did. I did a bit once in county. And oh, maybe in federal pen you can get some decent foam on your soy latte, but not in county. Go ahead. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, I, you know me. Just put a so stamp. Saying, Just next time you're you know, committing a crime, put a stamp on it. Then it's mail fraud. You live like a fucking human in a federal pen. You know what I'm saying? This is what my dad taught me as a kid. I'm here to help. Go ahead. Absolutely. We'll just make sure not to drop the soap. But my thing is, I'm saying here, ask the question to all of you, and then I don't have to say anything else. You know, when when Donald bin Laden is indicted for these other things like uh, Georgia and D.C., with not the documents case, people, you got to use the right language. It's espionage. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Please use that language. But when he gets indicted... You know, if you were the executive of one of these big ass, uh, you know, cable news networks right. or anything on there, how would you approach it? Are you really besides just going for all the money and going for all the ads? If you were had all the morals in the world, like John Bugle saying, what? With Asus, <laughs> what? How if would I, you have you met this? How man? would you approach, you know, framing this to the people? If I was because running a TV network, like I'd be framing trainer. it. I'd be framing it to get ratings. That's all it's for. And Trump okay. hate watching right. gets great ratings. Absolutely. Trump people. people they, we don't realize people. Trump is so big because people liberals watch TV when he's on because liberals fucking hate him so much. MSNBC cut away True. from a Hillary Clinton speech to show an empty podium waiting for Trump to show up. It's like True Detective season two. It's hate watching. It's like men with sex in the city. It's hate watching. You you, you watch it because you hate it. Trump doesn't understand that. And, and that's he what guides. Win. He could win by hate I don't, voting, that's why John. He could. He could I don't think one last voting. time by hate watching. <laughs> the, the, the mainstream media, though, is still making that same mistake. But I don't think they're giving him quite as much oxygen as they did the first time around. I think they that's cut true. away from him more. Yeah. I, I, I think they don't report on some of the. Uh, it's true. Repetitious. Even Fox. Um, Tom Fullery more. But you they know, still. They still do. They still like Cover. the ratings he brings sure. them. They're absolutely. That's I just what don't me. think like the big part. A big part of the first. We can't. We can't uh, do another autopsy on why Hillary lost. But a big part of the first election <laughs> was how much oxygen the media gave him. It's true. And I. I don't think they're giving him as much this time around. He called into MSNBC four times a week. Right. Yeah. And they took his call. Right. Collect. He, the yeah, first collect. debate starts next month, and after that, it's going to be the Republicans beating each other up until the fall. Well, you said something about the debate that's really, really true about Christie being that maybe being his his home court but they've, they're going to have to be entertaining yeah. it's all about entertainment now I think especially with the GOP they mm-hmm. like to be entertained they want to have a good time they want to watch this like a TV show yeah. or like a sporting event sports so these guys can't go up there and just be wonky or try and not talk each other like You're somebody right. has got to grab their attention and be entertaining make That's them laugh entertainment be, yeah somebody and Christie will do that That's but right. will anybody else on that stage do that there's mm-hmm. nobody else who's going to to 
get out there and and absolutely make a fool of themselves. No, but you know to, what? To you know what? Absolutely. Nikki Haley's going to try to. <laughs> She's going to try to be funny. She already has. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Sean, we'll but, see what happens. I'll tell you this: if yes. she comes out there, or if anyone comes out there, and they start going all QAnon, and they start saying, "I know more about what's going on here with the deep state than any of you fools, including Donald Bin Laden." Maybe there's a chance. But if you try to play anything like Chris Christie and all that, oh, I'm, you know, this is a real Republican Party, forget about it. I hear you, man. I got to hit a break, Sean, but I thank you very much. Can you all stay with us till the top of the hour? Absolutely. absolutely. We'll be right back in two with your calls. This is Progress. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is SiriusXM Progress, broadcasting live from New York and joined by comedians Rhonda Handsome, Frank Vignola, and Karen Schwartz. It's so nice to have you all with us. Oh, I love it. Except I just threw my back out twerking to that. I know. I was going to say it was great. And I think there was a bit of a frug in mid-seizure as well. Uh, Did anybody see Oppenheimer or Barbie? Anyone? Uh, Good for you. (laughs) Well, neither. Apparently, apparently cinemas are okay. Uh, This film, the two of them combined... Combined surge past $1 billion in worldwide ticket sales, which has only happened a couple times in the past several years. The two Avengers, last two Avengers movies, Force Awakens, and now these two combined gave us a billion dollars in a week. People are very excited about this because movie theaters need the help. Mm-hmm. I love the Indiana Jones movie. It didn't do it. Um, the Ant-Man movie didn't do it. It seems like this is bringing a lot of folks there. I, I went to see Oppenheimer and I went to use the bathroom and they let out a Barbie and the hallways were full of people. Mm-hmm. Um but with this strike, these movie theaters are not going to have anything to show in four months, are they? I mean, post-Oscar time, everything's going to get released, and we're all celebrating how things are so good for movie theaters right now with these two big movies. And I'm really worried that if the strike goes on, you're going to see more theaters shutter than close during the during the pandemic. The Barbieheimer thing is is happening in conjunction with the Blue Moon, John. So, okay. So, so the people are excited with these two films coming out at this time, the, the same way like every three years or so the moon turns blue. And and But already the, the theaters were suffering and it's going to be like a um, a double, a, a double hitter, a double gut punch and one in the face or a two piece with um, nothing really no content for for the theaters with is there anything to the fact that both of these movies 
are about reminiscences or the past, and they're not set in present day or future. Is there anything about that that creates the success of them? Like one's nostalgic, the other's about a huge historical incident, both roughly the same time. I think Barbie started in the 50s, right? I think they're both both pretty nostalgic, if you're technical about it. But um, what I had heard was that people were very upset with Barbie, that it was like too woke and too inclusive, and and, uh, I, I think people were expecting genitals on Ken. I, I don't <laughs> I actually I, I actually think Barbie is a braver script. I actually think that Barbie as a script will freak out a lot more people than the nuclear war movie. Um, and I kind of struggled with, uh, with with Oppenheimer, how it was more about his personal struggles than about the personal death and destruction of 200,000 people. Right. It's a beautifully made film, but I actually think Barbie is more political, believe right. it or not. Right, it, it upset Ben Shapiro a lot. So that's well, if I you want to see political, you better see they clone Tyrone. Oh, that's... I'm so excited to see oh they clone God. Tyrone. John Boyega was on the show a few months ago and was talking about that movie. And did, how is it? It's great. Okay, <laughs> it's absolutely great. You you don't see it coming, and, and there it is. <laughs> I think it is a nostalgia thing, though. I mean, you're that's right. what I'm wondering. The Barbie yeah, yeah. thing certainly. Barbie's nostalgic, and oh, an Oppenheimer is about the past. It's like the, I just find Barbie, it interesting. Neither right. of these are set in the present or the future. But it has, neither of these are in the moment. Well, no, it, I mean, it does have sort of like a present patina on it. Does I, it I, Barbie I, does take place in the present, but oh, it does is, it? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. She has to go to modern day. You know, L.A. Oh, okay. so, yeah. <laughs> All right. And hijinks ensue. <laughs> we are at 866-997-4748. Let me go to the phones. Um, let's go say hi to our friend Mitch in Kent State. Hello, Mitch. Oh you are God. on Sirius XM with Frank and Karen and Rhonda. Hey, Mitch. I, 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 hey, you know, I didn't see Barbie or Oppenheimer, but I did see Brooklyn Bridge and Fence last night. What did you see? Brooklyn Bridge and Fence. Play I directed. You saw Rhonda's oh. play. Oh, there you go. There you go. Mitch, and I look thank at you. you so much. I, that's why I love the riffraff. Because I do. we live at a time when you can actually see theater on Zoom, and, and Zoom yes. is going to yeah. save comedy and it's going to save theater too. Yeah, it's uh, about um, gentrification in brownstones, in Bed Stuy. So, because Mitch watched, it was gentrified? Is that one? <laughs> you gentrified the audience. Thank you so much for coming out and thank you for your kind words. I, I really. Well, he didn't say it yet. Was it? Do you like it or was it rubbish? Because you're allowed we to give it a bad DMing. review. We were DMing. He slid oh, into see. my DMs. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, thank you for, for, first of all, thank you for inviting me because it was, you know, just beautiful. You know, uh, my daughter moved to Brooklyn about 12 years ago, so I got a little taste of, you know, what, you know, just a small taste of, you know, the the camaraderie and and, and the inclusiveness and uh, and uh, just the, you know the general. I, I just love it. I, and uh, being from here, it's, it's just it's like another world. You know, we we visit New York, but uh, you know, it, it, you know, I, I, what my one of my all time favorite movies was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yes, and I, I, there's some similarities. There's some parallels there that uh, people, you know, they they they, they, they have an awakening. You know, okay, this is today. Okay, and not only just a generational thing, but you know, but you know, as far as the groups and everything else, learning that we have differences, but we also have likenesses also. Right. 
and just just so beautiful. And uh, I just want you know, thank the director and the cast. Just you know, just uh, excellent. And I can't wait for part two. Thank right. you, thank there you. you. And uh, I have to say uh, to everyone who's li- listening, if you uh, can, uh, if you'd like to support theater, uh, the Frank Silvera Writers Workshop, which I have been a member of for decades, is is the uh, producing those readings on Zoom that you can see them from any city, any con- any country, and and enjoy some original original playwriting. Mitch, thank you so much for the call. I mean, you know, I I kind of agree. I think Zoom I, really saved comedy during the pandemic, and I I've came to think that Zoom is like its own art form. I think it's its own genre of performance. I'm glad that Zoom comedy hasn't gone away. I love I love it. I I love um, I'm on TikTok. I'm on Zoom and I'm live as often as I can be. I I feel like I have to use every single platform and uh, and wear them out. Frank, what do you (laughs) think? think You know, I still do the Quarantine Cafe show semi regularly. I still do the game show online pretty regularly. And when we do the festival, because Good Karma is going to be going live next year after doing it on the pandemic Mm -hmm. uh, on the pandemic during the pandemic there will be components of it that will be zoom shows i mean there's no way now for it not to be part of your presentation and all the people who are working remotely working from home need us to be funny on their computers with them at home right they they need that from us karen have you had a chance to become jaded by zoom shows yet or are you still I, enjoying life you know what i a little bit of a little bit of both because okay so when i was when i was teaching through zoom during the pandemic Ooh, which was a lot that's a tougher room oh that's, that's a tough challenging. room that's a tough room because in some of those rooms you know grandma's joining the zoom with your student and then in other rooms your student just has their their camera and their mic off yeah and you know just their name and then in some the older the student the the more just names on black blank screens i i was looking back at and i was just literally talking to myself um yeah uh you know and then when you uh and most of that audience if they did put their camera on they were wearing their halloween costume or their pajamas they were taking class from like while being in bed or eating a bowl of cereal it was just it was just the way it was um my uh my experience is doing zoom comedy well, well, what I find interesting about that is you can't hear your audience laughing. Yeah. Uh, well, that's you, how it is in my live shows, too. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I was gonna say that's it's, different from regular shows, how. Yeah. Uh, my like, live shows are a lot like Oppenheimer. They, they feel three hours long. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. And there's, you know, I mean, for me, doing Zoom comedy, I got about as many laughs as you would get during Oppenheimer. Right. It was probably... <laughs> Probably about the same, I would imagine. But yeah, I, was... I want to. I want to briefly. While we, I still have you here, talk about uh, uh, Paul Rubens, who uh, who left us today. This year, I'm serious, man. I mean, David Crosby and 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 Tony Bennett, uh, Jesus, Sinead O'Connor. I mean, right. like, and I think Gen X is really rocked. Which we're not oh, used yeah. to Sinead O'Connor yet, and then oh, suddenly God, yeah. Pee Wee Herman has left us today at age seventy. Um, he was sick for six years. Didn't tell anyone kept it a secret he put out an apology today in his statement that he kept it a secret but he did it the way he wanted to do it after a very very private bout with uh with cancer um you were bringing up earlier karen um the fact that he didn't just get in trouble the one time in the movie theater but it happened years later in 2001 yeah uh, I found that very surprising. That I I didn't even know they had about raided that. his house. And they raided his house and they found him with examples of pornography, uh, with uh, you know 
young, like children, like basically someone under the age of 18. Uh, 30,000 being... images from his uh, yeah. photography collection and personal computers. Now, his lawyer, this is 20 years ago, his lawyer said, uh, it mischaracterizes the art collection that was seized. If that means a black and white tintype from 1901 with a young man indeterminate 17 to 19 laying on a beach after having gone skinny dipping, then they got it. I should point out that the child pornography charge was dropped mm-hmm. and he pled yeah. guilty and paid a fine. But, um... Yeah, the, the, you know, no matter how much we love him, it happened, and I think that's I what goes in your tombstone. Cloud collection. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, bo- both both of the situations proves that nothing good happens in Florida after eleven a.m. There you go. There you go. Actually, I really, I really liked him. Uh, he, he had an unusual and unique uh, persona yeah. that he yeah. presented, and I actually auditioned for Pee Wee's uh, Playhouse, and uh, uh, I wanted to do the puppeteering because. I have that in my background with the the Muppets, but uh, and he also uh, gave a springboard to Lawrence Fishburne's yep, that's career. Right. Yeah. Cowboy Curtis, Cowboy oh, yeah. Curtis, yeah, and, uh, and it, Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman, yeah. also. Cindy oh Lauper yeah, was on Cindy there. Her it, it was, was such a fun sure. show, and I I didn't know about his predilection for for. Um, pedopornography but well, again, I felt we don't, we don't again the, the images were seized we don't know if they were children having sex we don't know if they were prepubescent or 17 year olds like we don't know what was actually there right. we just know they did drop the child porn charge but it was it existed at one point and that's part of his obituary. Erotica. But his work, but his work was such that it could be for adults and children, and right. that's one of yes. the things that hooked me. And because he he was very funny and entertaining, and that's uh, the brilliance of Pee Wee's Playhouse, and and the and he gave us Tim Burton. Tim Burton's first hit movie, absolutely. people forget, was that, and right. yeah. and Tim Burton cast him as a uh, Pee Wee Herman played the Penguin's father in in Batman Returns, and he was terrific in that movie Mystery Men with Ben Stiller and uh, Janine Garofalo. He did other. He, he did other stuff, but but yeah. the defense was that it was erotica of people under the age of eighteen, the but de- it was actually erotica and not pornography. The defense said that um, calling it uh, images of minors with their genitals exposed mischaracterized the art collection. Uh, his lawyer said, you know, if a black and white tintype from 1901 with a young man of 17 to 19 year old age laying on a beach after having gone skinny dipping, then they got it. It's like, well, well, technically that counts as child porn. So, yes, he's well, 18 it's nice, and, nice how the lawyer went 17 to 19. 17, right. Yeah, the, the lawyer he kind of fanned that into <laughs> yeah. this isn't illegal. He anymore. said it was clear that uh, we, along with the many distinguished art experts supporting Paul's art photography collection, vehemently disagreed with the prosecutor's view of what constitutes art. See, 20 years ago, you could make that argument right. about about art. Only a, 20 years ago, there were the copper tone, the copper tone ads where the little girl's bathing suit bottoms were getting pulled down and you could see the tan mark, but on her rear end yeah. where she was exposed. Absolutely. Yeah. So and that 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 would never fly now. 30 years. It was, it's been 31 years since he pled no contest to that indecent exposure yeah. charge after his arrest in, in Sarasota. Yeah. And it's sad. You know, it, I mean, but <laughs> show me a great artist that doesn't have demons. And I'll say for all of Pee Wee Herman's hobbies, uh, we don't hear about him hurting anybody. We don't hear about him exploiting anyone, taking advantage of women or children. Just, you know, he had a photography collection and he went ahead and beat the bishop in a movie theater. But, John, I don't think that these celebrities are, are any more perverted than regular people. I mean, what, what was that? The architect out in uh, Long Island who's a serial killer. You know, he's a quiet architect. You know? right. Well, he's an artist, too. He's just misunderstood. Okay. Rhonda Handsome. 
How can the Riff Raff listening follow you and all your comedic doings? Oh, just check me out on Facebook, Rhonda Handsome Comedy, on Twitter, at Rhonda Handsome, like a handsome man without the D. You don't need the D, baby. I don't need need that D. How how cool is it that our listeners are watching your theater on Zoom? John, I love it. I love the Riff Raff. The virus is airborne. They are fantastic. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Frank Vignola. How can our listeners follow you and keep up with all your... You're you're so busy. Jesus Christ, you're like a Trump defense lawyer. You're busy. (laughs) Trying to get a lot of stuff done. God. Yeah. So I... And unlike a lot of... Well, actually, I don't know if everybody who said they were going to leave Twitter actually did, but I did. I left Twitter. I am no longer on Twitter or X or whatever the heck you call it. They're all leaving. Trust me. I've lost 23,000 followers. They're all leaving. So Instagram, Frank underscore Vignola underscore comedy. And you got some big shows coming up. Yeah, um, some couple of things going on. I'm finally going to tape uh, my hour at Church of the Satire in Hanover, Maryland. Actually, I've got a weekend, a Friday and a Saturday, September 15th and September 16th, and I'm going to do two hours. I'm going to nice. do two different independent hours and kind of do like Come that. back before then to promote it. I will. Kind of. And, and Karen, did we pass the audition? Did you have a good time? I your love first time this. Here? Come back yes. and see us again. How, how, do we, how do we follow you and keep up with your doings? Um, I, uh, every time, yeah, anything I have coming up, I have posted, I'll, I'll post it on Instagram. For me, my Instagram handle is at Schwarz Bollinger. Uh, it's S-C-H-W-A-R-Z-B-O-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. None of you are going to remember that. That was too many letters. That's my but, uh, law firm with Schwarz Bollinger there you go, and Schwarz. There you go. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, right? Schwarz Bollinger, Bollinger. And also uh, Facebook, I'm Karen Schwarz. It's great having you here. Thank Come you back and so see us again. much. Guys, thank you so Love it. much. Love Let's it. all thank go you, fill up yeah. Times Square and turn this riffraff loose. This is Sirius XM. Sirius XM.